I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. A bit thirsty and uh, probably the nerves. I haven't spoken out the front for quite a, a while. But I do pray that in our meditation this morning, God will speak to us and bless us. Our minds and our hearts will be taken up with him, not in my ability to either preach, but in God's word alone, because in him we find our encouragement. So let's just pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God who is with us, that we who are weak and, and feeble, you are the strength of our lives. And Lord, I pray as I bring your word this morning, be and stand with me and speak to your people and feed your people, we pray, in the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the last song we're going to sing today is Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. And I wonder if that's your experience this morning, praising God from the heart. We see in this psalm David's determination in trusting and praising God. He sees the one who is sitting on the throne judging righteously. We see his present distress leading him to trust in God because of those who had come up against him, who hated his soul, and yet he found his refuge in the Lord. We see him calling others to praise. And we also see the forgetfulness of men and the faithfulness of God. We see the need for man to know who he is and to remember who is the final judge of all the earth. In this psalm, then, we see past experiences leading to present praise, present distress leading to prayer and trust, past and future warning about God and about man, who he is, and the judgment of God, and our great need to know ourselves better and to fall upon God for his mercy. David is in the right place in this psalm. He's in the right place because he begins with praise. I think about our prayer meetings, how we begin with praise. And it's quite a few verses down before David will open up with prayer. I think it's about verse 13. But there we are, starting with praise, starting in that right place, telling others of the wonderful, marvellous works of God, filled with glad gladness, Trusting God in his present distress. Do we come to God like that? When we pray, do we come acknowledging who he is, who's in control, who it is we're resting upon? David knew this God, and it was his great determination to sing about him. Now, when I was considering this song, psalm, I thought, how are we meant to present this psalm? in a public place to in a, preach it. How are we meant to preach it? And I thought, well, it's a psalm, so you sing it. So it is a psalm and we sing it, but we look at its content. We learn from his instructions. So I thought, well, do we do it like a Bible study? 
I thought, well, no, it's not a Bible study, it's a psalm. But unless we heed to the instruction that David gives, thank you, unless we heed to the instruction that David gives, then we can't sing the psalm that he sings. And that's the whole point of this psalm, that we might sing with David the wonders of our great God. David then begins with prayer and uh, praise before prayer. And he brings his petition to God later on. The nature of his praise, we see that in verse 1 he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. The command of the Lord is found in Matthew 22, verse 37, when Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. See, half-heartedness isn't what God wants from us. He wants us to be full-hearted towards him. We know when our children have done something good and they run to us and show us that picture they have painted or something they've broken but they try to put back together. Look what I've done, Daddy. And they want to see you say, well done. And, and if someone's in the room, see what, see what John's done, see what Laura's done, so on. They want to be acknowledged they want to be praised. But God deserves our praise for who he is and what he has done. And really, we need to fill our hearts with the determination David had. He comes in these first few verses, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will, four times. And then he goes on to say, you have, you have, you have, you have about his enemy. He is determining to praise God, I will. I will show forth all your marvellous works, both in nature and in his experience. David had seen God's marvellous works. He'd seen when he, he sat underneath a, a tree watching the sheep he, and looked up at the night sky, he saw the stars. He saw God's marvellous works when he went out against a giant and defeated him in the name of his God. He worshipped this God. He worshipped him with his whole heart, for he had seen something of the goodness of God in the land of the living. He had experienced something of the goodness of God. And it's that experience of God that should really cause us to tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord, to tell our children and to children's children. We want others to know so that they can be filled with joy, so that they can experience God, so that they can be blessed. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day, utter speech. Night unto night, showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. We see in Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depths in his storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Have we seen some of these marvelous works for ourselves? You know, his mercy reaches to the heavens. His faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. 
Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. Psalm 36, 5 and 6. We know that some people have trouble seeing the marvellousness of God and the marvellousness of Christ. Remember Philip when he was with the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus said to him, How long have I been with you? And yet you haven't known me, Philip. How is it that you have seen me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you then, show us the Father? Believe us you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father which dwells in me, or dwelleth in me. He doeth the works, these marvellous works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And then Jesus finishes with these words, or else, see Philip had seen a lot, or else, believe me, for the very work's sake. Jesus appeals to his marvellous works for men to trust in him. No man spake like this man. No man did the wonders that he did. Even the blind man said, isn't this a marvellous thing? I can see. I once was blind, but now... I see. In verse 2, we see that he is glad in rejoicing in the Lord. I will be glad, he says. He's not self-satisfied, but his joy and his gladness is in God alone. As in Psalm 4, verse 7, You have put gladness in my heart more than the time that their corn and their wine increase, more than the crops in the field, more than my food on the table. It is you that puts gladness in our hearts. Gladness, even in times of trouble. In Psalm 51, verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness. A plea to God that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. It is God that makes our heart glad. If you are down, if you are weary, seek him. He is the source of all joy and strength and gladness. So he goes on, I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Praise to the Lord, he says, to his name. David's estimation of the Lord was that he is number one. He is top of the tree. He is before his eyes. He's looking unto Jesus. He is there knowing that he is the most high. And those who wait upon the Lord, they shall mount up like eagles. They shall run and not be faint. You know, although David descended into the depths, he also ascended to the heights with his God. Here's a little quote about the Lord Most High. Since the Lord is Most High, it means that no idol, God, small g, or created being may be worshipped or exalted above the Lord because he is superior in every way. The Lord alone is to be the highest object of our worship. See, God is seen by David in his power uh, upon his enemies. When my enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. David's enemies have come up against him. They have gathered there before him. They didn't come with the intention of going back. They didn't come with the will not to get hold of him and kill him. 
but we see these strong enemies that have come up against him and God has turned them back. He has caused them to stumble. He has caused them to fall. He has caused them to perish. And it says at the very presence, at his presence, this speaks of that final day when at his presence they shall hide in the rocks and in the caves from the one who sits upon the throne. David knew what it was to see his enemies, see victory over his enemies. He knew his God. We remember the Lord Jesus in the garden when there he stood with Judas who had betrayed him and, and they asked him, um, Jesus said unto them, I am he. And as, as soon as he said these words, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. This is the power that God has over his enemies. They cannot even stand in his presence. No wonder when David came to pray, he had this quiet confidence. Although there's trouble in your life, be confident that God is with you. You can trust him wholeheartedly and you can still praise him. David, great reason for his victories then, because God is on the throne and he saw that. He brings his will to bear. In verse 4 and 5 he says, For you have maintained my right and my course. You sat us in your throne judging right. You have rebuked the heathen. You have destroyed the wicked. You have put out their name forever. You see, David saw the Most High, the One, the One who sat upon the throne, the One who judges, the One who rebukes the heathen and the wicked. You see, he saw many times their names put out while his name remained. And that reminds us of the Lord. So David then speaks over his, his previous enemies and his present ones and shows the great contrast between God and his enemies. God remains, his enemies are destroyed. destroyed. In verse 6, O thou enemy, or O you enemy, Destructions are come to a perpetual end and you have destroyed cities and their memorial is perished with them. The great victory he saw was through God's mighty power. See, man's aim is to make a name for himself. Like Babel, let us build a city. Reach up to heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves upon the earth. And in so doing, man usurps the place of God. David didn't want to do that. We don't want to do that. He wanted to lift the most high, name high. He wanted to praise him, to worship him, to tell others. He saw their destruction from the one who sat upon the throne. He saw that there was going to be a complete end of all his enemies. Yes, his enemies would rise again and throughout his lifetime he would see victory after victory. But one day, all of God's enemies will be put under his feet. One day they will all come to a perpetual end, just like those cities that are forgotten now. And God will be exalted high above all. We see our last enemy, death, defeated in 1 Corinthians 15. We see this. So when 
uh, in verse 54 of, of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, that great day, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, where death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who giveth us, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the victory we really need this morning. The victory that we have in Jesus. The victory over sin and over death and over our struggles. The struggles that will take each one of us to the grave, but not our end. For we shall all appear before God. And we shall all stand before the judgment seat. We who are redeemed will be, will be presented as washed in the blood of the Lamb. Cleansed and free to enter life eternal with our Saviour. But the wicked, death isn't swallowed up in victory for them. Death is still a very real thing. And they will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. They will receive the things they have done in the flesh. All their thoughts and everything will be judged and open before God. The great contrast then is that the wicked perish. But in verse 7, we see that the Lord endures forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. And this really should make us, us shudder. I struggle saying that word, shudder. To think that God is getting ready for the great day. God he isn't slack concerning his promises. He isn't turning a blind eye to wickedness and sin. He knows all about it. The future judgment of the world will be by the righteous judge. In verse 8, he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in righteousness. Now this should be a great encouragement to us. God is going to judge the world from a pure heart. You know, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Bible says, they shall be filled. We can put our trust in nations and kings, but they all let us down. But the King of kings, who's coming to reign, he will not let us down. He will judge the world in righteousness. He who ministers to the people, he who convinces men of sin so that they might turn to him, and be healed. You know, Jerusalem stoned the prophets. And he, Jesus said it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for them. You know, we need to acknowledge our sin before God. We need to see him for who he is, the most high one, the judge who sitteth on the throne, whom all iniquity and sin must be judged, but the one who brings great comfort to his people. We see in Romans 2, verses, uh, verse 16, that there is a day when God will judge the secrets of men's hearts by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, Paul says. So the blessings for the redeemed, what are they? Well, there's a refuge. Verse 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. It's interesting, isn't it? The ark was a great place of refuge for Noah, wasn't he, and his family. And Israel knew cities of refuge that they could flee to. But here, 
David says, the Lord also will be a refuge. A refuge is in a person, not in a boat, not in any other thing, not in our own strength, not in the, the works of our hands, but in the Lord, in a person. You know, when a child runs to his father or his or her mother, they find when they are afraid, arms around them which comfort them and, and give them that place of refuge. No one can touch me now. I'm in the arms of my parents. They're going to look after me. Living under the shadow of his wings, dwelling in security. To know his name and to trust him. Verse 10. To know thy name or your name. And they that know your name will put their trust in you. And we have to say, do we know the names of God? You know, there was many names that God presented himself to his people. Each one carrying a meaning. And David knew all those names. The Lord who was his shepherd and provider. The one who sustains him. The Lord who, who, who is his God. The Lord who is his helper. The Lord who is his healer. And so when David thought about the names of God, he's someone I can trust. He's someone I can come to. He's someone I can rejoice and rest in. You know, God never, ever forsakes us. He always remembers and he never forgets. Now, I wish this could be said of all of us, I'm sure we forget things. I'm sure we don't remember things. But he says, For you, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek you. Moses was told in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, And the Lord, he, is here, he it is that goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. Neither forsake you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. What a comfort it is to know that God remembers. God doesn't forsake us. In our trouble, in our trial, he is there. He is never far from any one of us at any time. He's just a prayer away. David, in view of what God has done for him, now wants others to praise him. In verse 11, he says, Sing praise to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. You know what he's done. Tell others. Tell others of his greatness. Isn't this sharing the gospel with one another? Telling our friends, preaching, teaching, whatever it is. Telling our children's children. This is what it's about, isn't it? Telling of the greatness of the Lord. You see, God remembers every, every wrong. He remembers every prayer. He remembers every injustice. In verse 12 he says, When he maketh inquisition for blood. You see, even the blood of righteous Abel cries out for justice. And God sees it. And God hears it. And he knows it. Even to this present day, he will require for that sin the payment and for that sin. One day, all of sin will be either covered by his righteousness and his blood or paid for 
in his wrath upon those who will not see that God is good, will not declare that the heavens are the work of his hand, will not declare that they are sinners and that they need a saviour. His wrath is against those. He said in Genesis 4, and he said, What have you done, Cain? The voice of your brother's blood crieth unto me from the crown, from the ground. I bet he should have when God said that to him. He remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. How lovely that is. You might be, feel poor and trodden down. Nobody cares about you. God remembers you. God doesn't forget. The humble will not be disappointed. Their expectation of him will not be, uh, be cast to the ground. He will judge in righteousness. But there is a, a prayer and a cry that comes out in verse 13. He hasn't, he's got to personal praise and, and telling out about God. He's, he's called all of Zion to join with him. And now he comes to his prayer. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. What a pattern for prayer. I'm glad our prayer meetings are the way they are. Praise and then prayer. David uses his pattern here. Those who had come up with him and hated David, they hated him without a cause. There was nothing that they should hate. He wanted his enemies to be saved, to rejoice in God. The purpose of God choosing Israel was so that all the nations might be blessed, that all the nations might call upon God, that they might all come to him and flow to Jerusalem, flow to hear of his wonderful works. But they turned with their hatred towards him. They pursued him. He saw that with Saul. He saw it, saw it many times with Saul. He saw, saw it with his enemies. But David was preserved by God and he praised God. You who lifts me up from the gates of death, Verse 13, that I may show forth all your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. Yes, I was at the grave. Yes, I was a dead man, but you preserved my life. And I'm going to stand outside your city. I'm going to stand outside your gates. And I'm going to tell the people, I'm going to praise my God. And they're going to know I'm going to rejoice to them. My salvation, does your salvation make you joyful this morning? Do you realise what God has done in saving you, in bringing you out of darkness into his marvellous light? And then the heathen, they're sunk down into a pit that they have made. In the net which they hid in their own, is their own foot taken. David shows that the wickedness, the plotting wickedness of the wicked is enough in itself to bring them down to judgment. You know, the sinner is caught and ensnared in his own sin. You, if you're a sinner this morning, you can't do what you like. You are under the dominion of sin. You can't live that good life that pleases God. You might be good to your children. There's a goodness there. You might be good in your work. You might be good to your boss. But in your heart, there is wickedness that you can't deal with. In all the sons of Adam, there's this wickedness which, which turns away from, from God, which mistrusts God, 
which doesn't rest upon him. And we need him to deal with our greatest problem, our sin, which will drag us down, which will take us to the pit. These enemies, they had made this snare for themselves. We see in Psalm 73 the same thing, verse 18. Surely you did set them in slippery places. God, you've set them in slippery places. You cast them down in destruction. You see, God's people have seen this before. They've seen God at work and it's awesome but fearful the Lord then is known by his judgments verse 16 which he executeth the way in which God does things is different to man the wicked is snared in the work of his own hand and we are told here to meditate Selah we are to ponder and pause for time I won't ponder and pause but you go, go and, and, and consider that after this pause then, David resumes to show their final end. The final end isn't brought on by themselves, although that's enough to condemn them, just like the sinner is already condemned and already under the wrath of God. But the final judgment is brought upon them by God himself. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Why? Why? What, what, what qualifies you to, to, to be in this category of people? All the nations, because of their forgetfulness of how great God is and their unwillingness to come to him. In verse 17, it says, All the nations that forget God, but the needy shall not be forgotten, and the expectation of the poor shall not perish. Isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a comfort to our hearts, something we can say, God, God, we don't forget you and we're not forgotten and we shall not perish. Although we're poor, you are with us in our weakness, in our old age, in our, in our frailty, you are with us. Yes, everything seems to be against us. The wicked seem to prosper, but God is in control. There is better days coming. Don't lose heart. You know, there is a day of righteous judgment coming from the one who's, who will sit upon the throne, who will put away all his enemies under his feet. They will be forever and they will be judged. So David then is ready for God to work. David calls to God who sits on the throne to arise against his enemies. I like the way he does this. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. So definite. And then he says, put them in fear, O Lord that the nations may know themselves to be but men. And he pauses against Selah. See, David didn't want his enemies to perish. He didn't want them destroyed. He wanted them to worship God with him. But he knew that they needed to perish. He knew, knew that they needed to be wiped out for the good of the world, for the good of, of God's kingdom. But he wanted, he said... That, the main, that we might know that we are but men. You know, we need to know that, that we are but men. And God is but God. And what a God he is. There's two things then we need to know ourselves and we need to know our creator. And we need to be put in fear of him for who he is. Because why? Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we fear God, 
We will bow the knee if we fear God. We will come to him for his great salvation. If we fear God, we will rejoice in the gates with his people. Psalm 68, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As the smoke is driven away, so driveth them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at thy presence. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah. And rejoice before him. Is that you this morning? I'll finish with the greater David. The one whom this psalm, the Messianic Psalms, truly speak of. The one who brought praise to his father. Who did works that manifested his glory. All the works I do are those which my father has given me to do. Believe me for my very works sake. The one who is coming to judge and will bring finality to his enemies. The ones who they hated without a cause. The one who is a refuge for his people. The one who brings in his people from the depths, from the, from the gates of hell to the gates of the city of God. Do you know, there's no greater person and friend to have than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater God to trust him than the Lord Jesus Christ. If we haven't worshipped him, if we haven't told out the greatness of the Lord, it's because we're not dwelling on the right things. We're forgetting our salvation. We're forgetting the deliverance that he has brought us from. We're forgetting the great and goodness of God who is with us in our trials and troubles, even this week as we go out. Let us praise God together. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. Well, let's sing that together. Musicians are ready. We're going to stand and sing that hymn, Praise Our God, the King of Heaven.
remain standing and I'll, I'll close with this, a portion of scripture. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Saviour, who alone is